0: Mark, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to start off with a question that was inspired, I think, by a LinkedIn a post that I saw you make last week. And so I'm going to let you answer this however you best feel should it should be answered. Okay. Uh, when people ask you what you do, how do you respond?
1: Yeah, I'm really picky about that, so I don't know about you guys, but like, um, people approach like your parents, your family, the, the first question is like, so what do you do? You go to a party, like, oh, what do you do? I think it's the worst question ever. It upsets me and it frustrates me because I feel that people usually are asking, really, what is your job title? They just want to get status. They want to judge you as quickly as they can. So if you say something like, they say, what do you do? They're like, oh, like I'm a mid-level senior sales manager. They'll be like, okay, that I don't even know what that means, so I don't know what that does. So what I like to tell people is like, dude, if you ask me what I do, I'm just gonna tell you what I've done in the last three days and then you can judge and figure out um, what you think I do. So in the last three days, I finagled my way into a creative agency and led a pitch for them for a, uh, a, 500 million, a $50 million client that they uh, were pitching to. So I met the CEO of the agency on Friday and I led the pitch for his company on Monday morning. So that was
0: pretty awesome. Um, Can we dive into that any further? Or yeah, dude, that, because that was a crazy story. Okay. It was awesome. Let's go there right now. Okay,
1: um, <laughs> do you guys know who Gary Vaynerchuk is?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you know
1: Gary, you know that it's all about the direct message, right? It goes down in the DMs. It's no lie. That's where 90% of my business comes from, is from Instagram and direct messaging. And so, I, um, can you walk us through what that actually looks like? Yeah, for sure. So, here's what happened. I saw uh, that, all right, man, I wish we had like five hours on this. Okay, so. In business, you should think like a computer hacker. Okay, I'm gonna quickly back up. Meaning, most of you have a phone, and you get a phone, and you buy the phone, and you say, look what my phone can do. My phone can take pictures and take video, it can do video conferencing through FaceTime, It it can do GPS and whatever, right? But a hacker, a true hacker will look at your phone and say, what can I make the phone do? So a hacker is gonna be like, oh, it has a GPS, or it has an accelerometer, it has this. What can I take those pieces, hack together, and make for, like, for myself, right? So, a good entrepreneur is part hacker in the mind. And so, rather than try to get a job at a company, I figure out Tim Ferriss. You guys know Tim Ferriss? Okay, so he always talks about, he's a great entrepreneur, uh, um, uh, philosopher, entrepreneur, seed investor, an amazing guy, author of The 4-Hour Work Week. He always says, what would it look like if it was easy? Right? Forget what everybody else is doing. If you do what everybody else is doing, you'll be like everybody else. So here's what I do. I went on LinkedIn, I saw somebody like to post and I was like, who's that guy? I f- saw this guy's profile, I saw that he was the CEO and the founder of a creative agency. So I go to his Instagram and I find this guy on Instagram and I follow his Instagram, right? I'm kind of stalking right now find him on Instagram, I just follow him on Instagram. I wait about a day, I like one of his posts. I wait another day, I give a little comment on one of his posts. Oh bro, so cool, what a great thing you're doing. Oh hey, Mark, thanks, that sounds awesome. Then I hit him in the direct messages, right? Hey Patrick, seems like we have so much in common, man. Like, really love what you're doing. I'm a Chicagoan, you're a Chicagoan. All good, man, have a great day. He's like, oh cool, nobody ever does that, sweet. So now I've got a little bit of rapport with him, right? I kind of let it stay stale for a little bit. Then I just like last week, I just got like, like a big ADHD moment. I was like, screw this, I'm not waiting anymore. I hit him up, I was like, Patrick, I got an odd request. A, it's odd because I don't even know you. E, B, it's odd because the request is really odd. So I'm like, I wanna to come to your agency and just hang and just see what it's like and help you if I can. What do you say? And he's like, yeah, that sounds cool. So that was Wednesday. We set up a call for Friday, a 20 minute call. If you're gonna be in business, number one thing you gotta remember is be very objective with people's time. Don't waste anybody's time. So when I do this stuff, I have a template. Hey, Pat, let's talk for 20 minutes on Friday from 5 to 5.20 p.m. to accomplish the following outcomes. Number one, it's always the same, introduce ourselves. Number two, discuss our current work. Number three, explore opportunities for collaboration. That way, if he accepts and I get him on the phone for 20 minutes, I know, bro, I'm going to hit those three things and at the end, I'm going to say, hey, did we introduce ourselves? Yes. Did we discuss what you're working on? Yeah. Did we discuss what I'm working on? Yeah. Did we talk about ways we can collaborate? Yes. Do you want to talk again? Yes. So, talk to the guy on Friday and he's like, cool, let's look in the calendar of the next three weeks, see if we can talk, see what's going on. And I'm like, no. He's like, "No." no. I said, no. I said, what do you have going on in the next three days that I can help with? And he's like, oh, that's kind of bold. I was like, buddy, if I'm going to be good for you in three weeks, I'm going to be good in three days. He's like, you know what? We have a pitch to this big client on Monday. We haven't even started this pitch. Maybe you want to like meet up and give me your thoughts on the pitch? I'm like, yeah, dude. So we met Sunday night. He gives me what he thinks his pitch is doing. I told him I thought it was lame. I said, here's what I would do. He's like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, don't pitch him, work him. Make him work it there, you know? So I designed for him like a 45 minute, like basically a design sprint. And uh, he's like, dude, this is awesome, let's do it. I said, sweet. He's like, you want to come to the pitch? I'm like, no, I want to lead the pitch. He's like. All right, let's do it. So that was Sunday night, Monday morning. I met his team at nine thirty. We went to this client. We just pitched them, and they loved it. And they were like, "Dude, we've never seen anything like this." So that is what I've done
0: in the past three days. One of the things. Very good. Okay. so Any Sorry. questions about that? Sorry. Um, great. What is it? Okay,
1: so this company um, is called like. That's the company. So they did fifty million dollars last year, um, and they're trying to. Uh, They're trying to break into some new options of business, I forgot, yeah, so that's who it is. And so we went, we met with their president, we met with their director of marketing and like a marketing manager, and they're, oh, let's introduce ourselves. I'm like, all right guys, hey, I'm Mark. Um, You know, the guy made me business cards, he made me an email address for his agency, just so, you know, and we just pitched them. so that was it. And so basically they want to go through a rebranding. They they said, people kind of right now think of us in this way, we want to try to, you know, really rebrand ourselves and think about who we can be. And so I designed a series of activities Like one of them, we kind of made like baseball cards that were like user personas. So like the dad from the Brady Bunch, Elon Musk, Muhammad Ali, Marilyn Monroe, like all these different people. And I said, everybody gets a deck of cards. And I said, now I'm going to ask you a question. You answer with a card. I was like, who do your customers think that you are? And they all like threw down a card and they're like, oh, cool. You guys all think that your customers think you're like an old, you know, like white guy in a button up suit, right? Who do you want your customers to think you are? Boom, they all threw down, like, Brad Pitt or, like, really attractive hip dudes, you know? And they're like, oh. I'm like, well, there's a big gap there, right? So these are activities that you can flip from a pitch uh, that you don't have to just give them the pitch that they want. You can get the same outcomes. All
0: right, very cool. good. Sorry, I talk a lot. No, that's good. That's that's why we're, we're having you here today. Right, <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you could take us back a little bit um, before uh, – you got into the professional world before you were a teacher mm-hmm. uh, what kind of kid were you and what what was your you know childhood like yeah and were there any experiences from your youth that influenced or impacted your professional career today definitely um so
1: my i have a really good family like we grew up in morton grove and then we moved to glenview right down the street actually by willow and finkson we moved here when i was in fifth grade and going from morton grove to glenview was like going from like living in the ocean to living on top of the mountains. It was a completely different community to me. It was foreign to me. Um, it was just really odd. I was a horrible student. I started getting D's when I was in third grade. I started throwing things at teachers soon after and I hated school because I wasn't good at it. I always was good at being social. I loved helping people. I was the first guy when a bully would you know, try to, like I remember dude being in the hallway by the auditorium by the big auditorium here, you know, in your school. When I went to, I went to school here. And I remember it was during class, I went to go take a leak and I walked down the hallway and there was a group of these dudes who at the time, like I knew these guys were in gangs and these were like tougher dudes. And they were like in a little bit of a circle. There was like four or five of them. There was a kid in the middle. He was a kid with special needs. And I'll never forget it because um, he, he kind of didn't know what's going on. These guys were like picking on him, you know, and they were kind of like, eh. and And um, I was like, oh dude, I'm like, this is not gonna end well for me but it would probably end up even worse for him. So I remember just going, walking in the middle and just being like grabbing him and being like, dude, leave him alone, let's get out of here. And they started yelling at me. And I just like, dude, just keep walking. And we just like walked away. So um, I always want to help people. I was a horrible student. When we moved to Glenview, it got worse because I you know, was like a chubby little Jewish kid that nobody like really liked. And I got picked on and bullied a lot. And it was hard to, like, get friends. And then I went to middle school, and that stuff kind of continued. I started wrestling in middle school. That was a good thing. Kind of, like, helped me just figure out, like, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, you know? Um, But my parents always, like, really helped me out. They were really good. Um, I almost didn't graduate from this school because my grades were so bad, and I kept missing school. And finally... uh, a teacher said, Mark, if you if you come late to my class again, I have to fail you, and if I fail you, you won't graduate. This was like two months before graduation, and I remember I came in late the next day, I like didn't care, I just didn't care about rules. And so, like I was a really nice person, I loved people, but I didn't care for rules. And so uh, there's a long story there as to how I Schmoozed my way to get to graduation. But that's kind of who I was. I was a really horrible kid. I worked at like summer camps when I was a kid. I was always trying to like sell stuff, figure out ways to like make some quick money on the side. And then my dad was like, dude, why don't you be a teacher? Like, you'd be so good. Like, you're not going to sit at a desk all day at like an office job. Why don't you just like, you're so, he's like, you're basically like a big kid anyway because you don't want to like follow rules. He's like, be a teacher. That's how I became a teacher. I taught on the west side of Chicago. For like 13 years, I started a nonprofit that linked up really innovative companies with at-risk kids in the city to solve big problems that they were having around gangs, violence, drugs, you know, being left alone, being abused, and they would try to come up with products or
0: services to kind of absolve that. Uh, and that's kind of like my backstory. Can you explain if you really didn't enjoy school how did you make that leap or that connection to say that maybe I would want to go back to school professionally, yeah. like how did that take place and did that happen as soon as you went to college uh, or was there a process there?
1: Like, I got really angry. Like I, so like entrepreneurship is based out of the idea that you think you can solve a problem better than anybody else. You have an idea that you think can be better than anybody else's. I really, I think as a person, as a creative person, I don't know about you, but like to me the world is like this wall, it's just blank, and everywhere I look it's like a problem to solve. From like, you go into a store and they have these ugly signs, I'm like, oh those signs are ugly, you should get rid of that, redesign how it looks. I wanted to like change all the rules. And so the reason I decided to go back to school after trying so hard to get out of school was I got angry and I was like... I got like pushed around, not just by like kids, but like by teachers, teachers picked on me too. I felt, I kind of felt. And so I was like, I don't want any kid like me to have to have some of the teachers that I had. So I was like, I'm gonna change the whole system. And so I went back to school and I was just like, mission is become like the most bomb uh, teacher that you can and just like destroy it and like make every other teacher be like, I wanna be like that dude. And so I just did it, I just like, Just went like beast mode. I did everything I could. I worked in this like rough neighborhood. I started this nonprofit. Like I just, I did it my way. I won this like teaching award, like the Golden Apple Award.
0: I did like all this cool stuff, and I just like, just wanted to help people. That's why I wanted to help people. So, what did your experiences in education, as as perhaps a contrarian in education, how did that impact your decision to enter entrepreneurship? um, and, And maybe what lessons from teaching? Have been applicable as an entrepreneur. Dude, you
1: are really good at this. I watch
0: Do you a have, have a podcast? podcast? Just, Just like, not really. Sort of. Oh, right. You should. This is awesome. <laughs> Seriously, like I listen. Yeah, this is killer
1: questions. Um, so, what did I learn from being a teacher, or what have you? And like, what did I apply? Okay, so here's the number one thing. Like. Many things, but one thing that comes to mind, you guys know how you like you get a grade? Like you do a project or something, and there's like a rubric. You know what a rubric is? And it's like, oh, if you want to get a score of a one, you do this. You get a score of a two, you do this. So I made a rubric for my life and for, for jobs and for companies to work for. And so I quickly identified what were the three things that really either made me angry or really made me happy about work, and then I started to write out and made a rubric. So like the three things on my rubric are – Time versus productivity valuation, meaning does a company or a client or a project just want my time or does it want my creativity and my productivity, right? Number two is culture of creativity and innovation. Is this place like really creative and is it innovative or do they just like say it on their website and then you get in there and it's like cubicles and it sucks? Um, And then the third thing is like pace of work. How fast does the work happen? Because I need fast-paced work to be excited or I get really bored. And so I built out that rubric. So that's like exactly, I learned that as a teacher, how to write killer rubrics so that students knew and parents knew like, hey, like, like, dude, if I tell you you got an 88 and you got, like, an 82, that doesn't mean anything. No one knows what that means, right? Like, I don't know. But if I tell you, like, oh, hey, man, like, you were really clear on your purpose with your pitch. You had three distinct value propositions to offer the client. And I tell you, like, hey, um, you know, like, your voice for your brand is really spot on. But I think what's really missing is tying in the visual elements from your products to your website to your branding and marketing. Like, you're like, oh, okay, I know what to do now. Versus like 82, 86, go be better. Like That doesn't mean anything. So that's what I kind of learned from being a teacher.
0: Could you explain how the concept of hell yes or no fits into your life rubric?
1: Yeah, do you guys know about that? They don't no. know. Derek Sivers? Um, okay, so there's a guy, his name's Derek Sivers, and he is like, um, long story short, this guy had every job from a circus clown to a a punk rock guitarist, to a DJ, and like way back in like the early 90s maybe, he figured out how to take his music and put it online. Nobody else was doing that, right? Back then it was like tapes, you had a tape, you had a tape from one tape to another. So anyway, uh, this guy realized that people were willing to pay him to put their band's music on a website that people could buy. And very soon he made a lot of money doing it. Millions and millions of dollars. He took all of it and gave it to a nonprofit um, for kids to study the arts, music, dance, theater, and things like that. He's a very unique individual, and he has a theory. It's called hell yes or no. And the idea is that throughout your life, social life, family life, business life, academic life, a series of opportunities will come your way. And you should judge it in this way. If the opportunity comes to you and you are like, oh, hell yeah, I want to do that, you do it. If it's not a hell yes, the answer is no, right? We tend as humans to want to please people. We tend us to not want to offend people because kind of culturally it's, it's like we think it's bad to say no. You should be saying no. If somebody invites you to a party and you don't want to go, you just say no, you, you say no. If it's a thing you want to do, you're like oh hell yeah, you go. What happens is when you start to say no to things you really don't want to do, you have more time to do the hell yes things when they come along, right? And so like that's what I do. Like I take my rubric, I judge stuff that comes around. If it's like, oh yeah, I wanna do it, then I judge it against the rubric, and then I have all this time to do it.
0: Do you think that that philosophy works equally well for young people who maybe don't have as much life experience as older people? I don't know. I don't know. That's fair.
1: Yeah. You should always tell people you don't know if you don't know. Like, like say no and I was like don't say no like my last job like I had a job like my boss was like you just told all those angry people you don't know I was like yeah cause I don't know why am I gonna tell them and she's like well you should say I don't know I'll find out I'm like but I'm not gonna find out I just don't know just be honest be human um, so I don't know I would say like if I was like your age you know like dude the world you could do anything like literally like you could do anything you want to do like anything anywhere anytime like You can pick up tomorrow and get a plane ticket and go to China for four months if you want to. It's not that
0: expensive. You can figure it out and do it. Just do what you want to do. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the companies that you have worked with or other people or groups?
1: Yeah. Um, I work with like anybody that wants to do cool stuff. And so sometimes I work, like I did a gig for like McDonald's, like corporate McDonald's, like the machine, right? Like the machine. Um, They had me come in and do a workshop for one of their teams that was, like, having some trouble just to get them to think a little bit differently. I work with, like, some schools or some of my clients. I'll go in. These are teachers that are, like, just in the inner city, beaten down, burnt out. They're seeing the worst of the worst every day in terms of, like, violence, child abuse, neglect, guns, violence, all of this. And I try to help them think differently about what they do um, I work with a really cool AR VR company so augmented reality virtual reality company that like does just insane like like this dude makes like in an hour he can make a crazy snapchat filter like that like he, he made one of himself dancing to Drake and he just like put it up on snapchat and like blasted it out to like a million people, and it's just a filter when you hold up your phone, it's just, he's next to you and he's like dancing, it's crazy. Um, so I've worked for startups like that, big companies, nonprofits. Um, you know, like a company like Quest, a company like Canagra is like a big company. They do, um, they make everything from like Orville Redenbacher to like Chef RD and like Ready Whip Whipped Cream and stuff, they make all of that, and they have like a big innovation side, and so they're really trying to think about how do they utilize crazy technology like AI, machine learning, AR, VR, to help make the customer experience better when you're like shopping for snacks. So yeah, those are some people Very I cool with, yeah.
0: Um, do you have any general advice for uh, people or maybe specifically young people who are interested in entering entrepreneurship or getting involved with startup companies, specifically in the Chicagoland area? Yes, yeah, for sure,
1: okay. I think you've already read the Lean Startup, correct?
0: We haven't read it in oh, class, okay. but we You're, a lot you of you our. You guys know what that book is? From yeah. The Lean
1: Startup by Eric. I have a copy of it in my bag right now. It goes with me everywhere. Read that book. Read it. Watch videos on it on YouTube. It's a really smart model, and it works. Number two, um, if you think you want something, ask yourself why do I want it. If you can tell yourself honestly why you want it, go get it, and don't let anything stand in your way. Um, if somebody tells you like no. Figure out a way to get a yes, and be bold. If you want it, go get it. Specifically within Chicago, there's a great website called Built in Chicago. It's where you can access all the local startups, see what kind of funding they're getting, see what jobs they have open. Um, think about where you want to be and just go there. Like, like I just had a conversation with a teacher here at South. I grew up with her, and she was saying, "Oh, maybe one day I'd like, you know, maybe I do this." I'm like, "Just go do it. Like, just go do it." Like you want to like open up a flower shop, go to a flower shop. Just hang out for a day. See what it's like. If you think you want to work in a startup, go to a startup, knock on the door, and just say, oh, hey, I'm Derek. I'm from Glenbrook South High School. I love entrepreneurship. Can I hang out here? And they're going to be like, yeah, totally. Come on in. Have a seat on the couch. We'll be with you in a minute. Just go. Just go. Don't do what everybody else is doing. What I tell people is I don't want to be one of 200 emails in an inbox I don't wanna be one of five thousand applications online. I don't wanna be like, oh hey, this is my brothers, uncles, cousins, friend. He's really creative. You should work together. I'm gonna to go straight to the source, right to the CEO,
0: or right to whoever
1: I think I need to talk to. I'm gonna get right to them and I'm gonna ask them for what I want. And then I'm gonna get it. And just do that. Don't and like apply that to your life, dude. Like don't be scared of anything. Ninety nine percent of the reason we don't do stuff in our life is cuz we're just scared. And if you really start to think about I right, is like a quick one, okay? My last job I was at, I really didn't like it. Culturally we did not match. They were like 7:30 till 4:30. You get an hour for lunch. I'm like, "Dude, no, that's stupid." Like whatever. So, um I basically put on a piece of paper, and Tim Ferriss talks about this a lot. I put on the paper, okay, if I think I'm gonna leave my job, right, I got two kids, I'm a type one diabetic, I got, uh, you know, I'm about to get married, I got my child support to my ex-wife, I got all this, this, all this stuff I gotta do. Let me figure out, if I take action and I leave my job, I write down what is the worst thing that can happen, right? So in this situation, okay, I leave my job, I don't make money, okay? I can't make my child support payments, my ex-wife takes me to court, and the judge says, you are a loser. You're going to prison because you can't pay. I go to prison, and now the health care in prison isn't so good, so my diabetes goes to crap, and now I'm, like, all messed up. I get beat up in prison. I get stabbed, and I die alone in prison. And my kids think I'm the biggest loser ever, right? Okay, that's a pretty bad situation, right? That's the worst-case scenario. And then I say, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely is that to happen? How likely do you think that is to happen?
0: You can respond. Oh, yeah. Dude, degree,
1: d- yeah. <laughs> maybe I get maybe like three, maybe two. When I did it, I was like, yeah, that's probably like a two. Like, maybe. I just don't think I'm going to die alone in prison. Now, God what, right? But then on the other side, I say, wait a minute, dude. If I take action, what is the best thing that can happen? Oh, best thing that can happen? I do crazy cool work, I meet really cool people, I make some good money for my family, my kids see that you can do whatever you want and they can do whatever they want, I inspire them, I'm excited every day, I get to come do cool stuff like this, how likely is that to happen? A eight. Yeah, right, that's like a fatty eight. I'm like, dude, so right then when you think about that, the, the, the most, um, what do they say, it's like, the bigger risk is not taking action at all. The bigger risk is staying in that crappy job where I was like unhappy. So I don't want to like, take that risk, right? I, I make that risk and I go. So I don't know, I think about that. Don't, don't, don't let the stuff up here, don't let that run your life. Be objective. I always live life, I talk about evidence, right? If you're like, oh, I want to ask this, this girl out or whatever, but I don't know, I don't know. Wait, do you have evidence? <coughs> if you had to go to a judge and the judge said, Mark, you want to ask Teresa to the dance, but you think she doesn't like you, what evidence do you have? Do you have any evidence? But, oh, my friend said that she said that she was at a party. Like, no, no, no. (coughs) I need evidence. Do you have a text message from Teresa that says, Mark, I don't like you. Don't ask me to the dance, right? Do you have a video of her saying, oh, my God, Mark's a schmuck. I'd never go out with him. That's evidence. If you don't have that evidence,
0: you go, and you just go, and you just go. That's it. All right, great. Um, So I have one final question and then we'll move on to the the next segment. Uh, This is a question that I've asked some of our guest speakers. Um, Are there any failures uh, at any point in your life that later on proved out to actually be wins in disguise? Uh, Um,
1: Yeah, like I fail every day. Like, if you, again, like, I don't know, you guys might just be taking this class because it's class, that's cool. Um, I think entrepreneurship has a lot more, like, is a life lesson kind of a thing. So, like, um, oh, so let me give it to you like this, right? When I was a kid, I told you, like, I'm just, like, a chubby Jewish kid, right? And so, like, I got into wrestling, like, I wrestled. And if you have ever wrestled, or you know anybody that's wrestled, it's a grind, dude, like, it's a grind in many ways. Like you fail every single day. When I was here, I wrestled. Um, I wrestled freshman and sophomore year, right? And what happened was you get beat up, and at the end you stand on a mat and you're in front of all these people and you're the loser. And you lose. You fail. You have not won the match, right? And for me, what's even worse was since I was a heavier kid, my weight class was with all these big ripped muscular athletic dudes, and it was like me with like my love handles peeking out my you know the the singlet. But dude, I showed up every single day. I grinded every day. They would never out hustle me. Like coach, my old lacrosse coach would say, like, he's like, we could lose because they're better, but we'll never lose because we get out-hustled. And so like I think a failure was like learning how to fail and be like, okay, I lost that one. I need to get better, you know? I learned that. Same thing with lacrosse. When I first started playing lacrosse, I was horrible. I could barely catch and throw, but I showed up every day. I grinded, I grinded. One of my buddies was like, dude, you're not getting any playing time, bro. You are right in the pine, you suck. He's like, but don't sit on the bench, stand up, stand by the coach, cheer as loud as you can give criticism you know give constructive criticism and just like let him know you're there he'll put you in and that's how i started to get my playing time as soon as i started getting on the field i realized what the game was really like and then like i was like you know like um i think it was captain dude i think it was captain maybe
0: i actually was either dude for real
1: i was either prom king or homecoming queen i don't remember but when i was here and i had like dreadlocks down to here and i'll never forget i don't remember if it was prom or it was homecoming but i was at the dance well first i was in class and they come out they're like "Hey, here's the finalist for uh, i think it was homecoming and they're here's the finalist and they and my name
0: what about either turnabout or prom because they don't elect a king for homecoming, it's only the queen, right? Is it? Yeah. Did Turn it out or prom, let's go with that. It must've been prom then, dude.
1: Cause I got like a whole thing, I got a, you know, a, a sash. <laughs> and so we're sitting in class, I'm like, not paying attention. They're like, dude, they just said your name. I'm like, what they say, am I in trouble? I'm like, no dude, like you can be prompting. I'm like, shut up, I thought it was like a joke. And then like, you know, I didn't do anything. And then like, you get to like the, the <laughs> dance. You get to the dance and, you know, you're sitting there with your friends and like, all right, here you go. drum roll, please. And I will never forget, it was a tie between me and the captain of the football team. And this dude, this dude's like 6'2", he's all jacked. And it's me with like my dreadlocks, like, where am I? What am I doing? And like, uh... I don't know. I don't know how we got on that, but that's a good story for sure. Uh, But anyway, I think it was about like just again like failures that later were successes, right? Like, dude, you have to grind. You have to you have to fail. Don't be afraid of failing, right? Like that's what separates winners from losers. Seth Godin, right? He talks about winners quit all the time. People say winners don't quit. Winners quit all the time. They just know when to quit, when it's smart to quit, and why you should quit.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Mark. Let's give him a round of applause, everybody. All right, so what I'd like to do now... uh...